G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I must say, having Ken Ham in the studio is very exciting for us. Ken is the President, CEO and Founder of Answers in Genesis in the United States and the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned Ark Encounter. Ken Ham is one of the most in-demand Christian speakers and talk show guests in the United States. And he's an Aussie. He lives in the US and he is a very controversial character. Why is he a controversial character? Because he believes that the book of Genesis in the Bible is history. Now, that might not be controversial to you. You probably believe that too. And there's plenty of substance in the way that we look at the evidence to place your faith in God rather than on the claims of atheists. So a special welcome to you, Ken Ham. Hey, it's great to be here with you. And I tell you what, when you believe the Bible in today's world, you're considered controversial. You are controversial, perhaps more controversial than you have ever been, because there is a rise of a different style of thinking. Uh, Atheists have got some sort of monopoly on what they uh, talk about as secularization. Secularization wasn't such a bad terminology years ago, but these days it's come to uh, almost signify people who hold an atheist view, Ken. Yeah, in fact, uh, you know, we've seen the secularization of our Western world in a very big way. We've seen the secularization of America right now. And, of course, you see same in Australia. I mean, Australia's never had the same Christian foundation uh, that America has. But nonetheless, we see uh, how a Christianized Australia used to be in a sense in the past, but it's no longer that way. And, yes, we have the, the these atheists, these secularists who are trying to impose their religion because atheism is a religion. It's a belief. It's a belief that the whole of life, the whole universe, everything came about by natural processes. And so they have this religion that they're trying to impose on the culture. And they become very anti-Christian as they do that. In fact, you know, in, in America, we have a group called the Freedom From Religion Foundation that tries to outlaw Christianity wherever it can. But really, I would call them the Freedom From uh, Christian Foundation because what they want is freedom to impose their atheist religion on the culture And they want freedom from Christianity because they want freedom from submitting to the God who owns them. And therefore, marriage is a man and a woman. And therefore, abortion is killing a human being. And therefore, God is the one who sets the rules. Well, I want to invite our listeners to join in our conversation, Ken. And there are listeners, and I mentioned a little earlier that we were going to be streaming on Facebook Live. And so we've got two audiences today, our regular audience on Vision, and then we've got an audience who's listening to us uh, perhaps from various places all over the world. And as I understand it, Ken, there's something like 260,000 followers that you have on Facebook. So a special welcome to those uh, listeners today too. Now, if you would like to ask a question or make a comment about the sorts of things we'll talk about today, 
Our telephone number to call to be part of a talkback conversation is 1-800-316-316. You can find your international dialing if you're calling from overseas, but 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to join in our conversation today. Ken, I know that the question on people's lips will be, how's this whole ARC experience going? Because the ARC encounter has made ripples around the world. People are very excited everywhere. It has the potential to change the way people think about the history that we read in Genesis. How are things going since the launch? Well, Neil, I'm afraid I'm going to have to really disappoint one group of people, the atheists, the secularists. You know, they actually had a protest outside the ark when it opened. And ever since then, they've been saying that, oh, you know, there's nobody coming to the ark. Actually, we built a 4,000 space parking lot. And because we're thinking of the future, which means we could take up to 16,000 people a day because it averages about four people a car. Well, we couldn't do that right now. We don't have all the facilities. You know, we've still got other phases to go. So we only use about half the parking lot and a bit more, actually, right now. So what they do is they come in and take photographs of the empty part of the parking lot and they say, nobody's coming. This place is a white elephant. It's a failure. Well, I'm going to have to disappoint them. Uh, in the first 10 weeks, we had, what, 320,000 people who've come to the ark. In fact, by the end of this week, the numbers who have come to the ark, plus the Creation Museum, which is 45 minutes from the ark, uh, the number of visits that we've had to both ark and Creation Museum, and because of the opening of the ark, it's actually increased attendance of the Creation Museum, which has been fantastic anyway. It's been open for nine years. We're in our 10th year now. It's increased it by about 70%. But by the end of this week, just looking at the projections, looking at my uh, iPhone before, and we have an app uh, that we have constructed for this. Uh, you, it looks like there's going to be over half a million visits to the Ark and the Creation Museum since July 7, which is absolutely incredible. In fact, the projections for the Ark alone by America's research group was a minimum of 1.4 million up to 2.2 million a year. And it looks like, from what we're seeing, we're going to be towards the high end of that projection, not the low end. This is This is one of the greatest... Christian attractions in the world. I don't know of other Christian attractions that stand on God's word that actually would get that sort of response, reach that many people, uh, different people every year. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal. And so the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter are two of the leading Christian attractions now in the world. And the other thing I notice when I go to the Ark, and I go there uh, at at times uh, just to meet people, and it's fascinating to see the diversity of people. They're from all sorts of different cultures from all over the world. And, you know, I go down there periodically, and almost every time I bump into someone from Australia, which is, which is amazing uh, when you think about it, and I'm able to see lots of other people from different backgrounds, and uh, you can hear them speaking different languages. And also, there are non-Christians that come, because you can hear them talking about the exhibits and saying, wow, I've never, never thought about this before. You can even hear them arguing, you know, nicely with each other at times as they're discussing the exhibits, and others come up and talk to them. And so it's just an amazing witness. And this is the thing, isn't it, Ken? You don't want people to leave their doubts and misunderstandings outside. Because people who are going through a process of learning to understand what it is to appreciate Genesis as history, well, they are going to carry doubts and uh, misunderstandings with them. But to be able to come into a event like the Ark Encounter, 
starts to resolve some of those sorts of issues that people have because you're addressing the questions that people are asking. Oh, exactly. And, you know, here's the interesting thing. When, when the secular media come and interview us in the States, and we've had literally hundreds of them, I mean, uh, on opening day and since then, uh, just massive media coverage all around the world. And I, sometimes I just smile to myself at some of the questions I asked. Uh, for instance, uh, one of the questions was, well, um, are Jews welcome here? I said, absolutely. <laughs> well, are Muslims welcome here? I said, look, let me tell you who's welcome here. Seven billion people are welcome here. Seven billion people. And I said, and one of the things you'll notice is you go through the ark and you go through the Creation Museum. You know what we don't do? We don't have people there, you know, threatening them. You have to believe this. And if you don't believe this, you're in big trouble. We don't try to hit them on the head with the Bible. You know what? It's done very professionally, very tactfully. They see these world-class exhibits, these teaching exhibits, these themed exhibits, as they walk through all three decks of the ark, one-and-a-half football uh, field links three times as you go through all three three decks of all these exhibits. And at the Creation Museum, this whole walk through the Bible is done so tactfully, so professionally. We are, so, we are bold. We, we tell people we believe the Bible. They can't go away not having heard the gospel, not having heard the truth of God's word. But we've had many non-Christians say to us, we appreciated the way you presented it. We didn't sort of uh, bang them on the head with it. We just challenged their thinking. And that's what we need to do. And, and it starts a conversation about the Bible and about the gospel and about the creation issue and creation evolution, and about the flood and about Noah's day. Because in many ways, the secularists want to close down that conversation. And we want to open it up with people so we can discuss it with them. Sometimes we talk, don't we, about a proclamation of the gospel. And that's not an argument about the gospel. That's a simple proclamation because God has revealed himself in so many ways. And sometimes we talk about the way God reveals himself in a natural revelation, looking at the environment around us. In fact, if we look in the book of Romans, we're seeing that we have no excuse because God has revealed himself in that way. In some sense, as you make this proclamation, it's asking the questions that people can in their own hearts, in their own time, respond to. Oh, exactly. And in fact, you know, before we built the ark, we actually did a survey in America through America's research group and said, what questions would you like answered? And of course, there were questions like, how could Noah fit the animals on the ark and how could he build them? And and uh, wait a minute, what, what, what about the fact that this was a judgment and, and you know, that God actually judged people and at the time of the flood? And how how do you look at that when the, when you're saying there's a God of love? And so what we do is we answer those questions in the exhibits and we, we present it to people and, and challenge them. And we're getting them to challenge their own thinking uh, uh, in, in regard to their worldview to try to direct them to start considering the Bible. And because we also know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so it's not us that does uh, the, the conversion. Or, or it's God who does the convicting. It's, it's not us that does that. That what we need to do is do our best to defend the Christian faith, to present it to them, uh, like First Peter three fifteen says, with meekness and gentleness, uh, but contend for the faith, and we do it with boldness, uh, but we don't do it in an offensive way. Uh, we do it in a very gentle way, and yet we make it very obvious, and we're getting them to start to question where they're at. Because, you know, Neil, the bottom line is, why do we do this? Because we want to see every person on this planet in heaven with us. You know what? You know what God said. It's not His will that any should perish. Shouldn't we have that same burden? 
Ken, let me ask you about how this is affecting you personally, because it's been a huge journey. It hasn't been without opposition. There's been challenges that you've had to burst through along the way. But when I introduced you, I said you've become one of the most popular talk show guests in the United States. And we always love having you as a guest on this 2020 program here on Vision Radio. But affecting you personally, when there's the world's media arriving there at the Ark Encounter, I imagine that they're not just there to do some news stories. There must be people putting together whole documentaries. They must be continually knocking on your office door saying, Ken Ham, come and be part of a, a documentary or an interview that we're doing. The whole world is having an opportunity to see what's happening with the Ark Encounter. How is this affecting you personally? You've moved to a, a new sort of a role in the way that you're presenting this message of the gospel to the world? Well, you know, Neil, uh, the responsibility is enormous when you think about it because we opened a facility that is it's the largest timber frame structure in America, in the world, in fact, the largest timber frame structure in the world. It's making a major statement to the world. In fact, I've had people at the Ark who've come up, some of them in tears. I've had pastors even come to me and say, we have so needed to make such a public statement. When we see the erosion of the Christian worldview in our Western world, this makes a public statement. Now, when you do that, uh, you're going to come under attack. You know, somebody once said to us, you know, if you stand on the devil's toes, he reacts. And they said, you guys must be kicking him in the shins. Uh, I, I tell you what, in many ways, with the media and what's happening, I'm sort of reminded of what's happening in the political arena in America right now. Because as you watch the news and, you know, they're talking about different candidates like uh, Hillary and, and Donald Trump and so on. And then they're all accusing each other of misinterpreting and then there's all these biases and someone's leaving out this bit and not telling the context here and that sort of – you know, the same sort of thing happens with us in the media. happens all the time. There's a small percentage of the media that actually report. And you know by report, the old-style reporters, they actually report the news. Here's what happened. This opened. They're building this. Here's what it says. Let's see what Ken Ham says. But a lot of it today is so agenda-driven and and that's the part where – you get concerned about it because they actually print all sorts of misinformation and it gets out there in the public. And these days on the internet, you know, there's all sorts of misinformation that can get out there on the internet and it's going to be there till Jesus comes once it's on the internet. And they attack me personally and they say all sorts of nasty things. But, you know, in, in some ways I stand back and say, from the world's perspective, we should be prepared for that. I mean, why should we be surprised that the world attacks us? And they do, they attack us. But, but the part that, that burdens me is, are the Christians, the Christians who, and the Christian leaders who will not stand with us because they've compromised God's word with evolution and millions of years and they won't stand on the truth of creation and the flood. That's where it, it really burdens me. I, I, as I said, I don't worry about the tax of the secularists, even though they're vicious at times, and, and I get saddened by the misinformation, but it, it's the Christians and when they attack us. But the other thing is, you come to the ark, Neil, it's sort of, I, I, I sort of sometimes feel like, uh, I wonder what it was like for Elijah when uh, he was told there are thousands that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. You know, I've actually had lots of people say that at the Ark and the Creation Museum when they come and say, wow, look at the others that believe like we do. Wow, there's millions of them out there. And, and that encourages you. But I think, you know, for me, we, we look and say, God's enabled us to do this. He's entrusted this to this. We have to be faithful to him. It's his work. It's his Ark. It's his museum. And we need to make sure we never compromise his word. And we need to make sure that we're always on about the word of God and the gospel. Otherwise, what's the point? 
Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, we're just hearing of people who've been commenting on Ken Ham's Facebook, places like Japan and in Texas. So people listening to or viewing our conversation right around the world today, it is being streamed live on Facebook on the Answers in Genesis Facebook page and uh, also, as I understand it, on the Vision Facebook page. So if you have those uh, handy, those ready to access, uh, you'll be able to listen into the conversation and uh, you'll be able to interact with us. There may be some issues with telephone numbers and such things. Uh, we can see if we can work those out. Uh, the Creation Museum, uh, Ken Ham, world-class exhibits, an impressive animatronic dinosaur model, uh, lots of models, in fact, a million-dollar allosaur fossil and a planetarium. Uh, the Ark Encounter, featuring a life-size Noah's Ark as its centrepiece about 40 miles south of the museum. Uh, any uh, concerns about such a distance between the museum and the Ark? I imagine it becomes a great day out for people to visit both attractions. Actually, uh, people come to the Ark for a whole day and then they go to the Creation Museum. Every ticket to the Creation Museum is a two-day ticket. And so a lot of people end up spending three days in the area. Some people even come and get an all-week ticket for both locations and just keep travelling between the two. Uh, because there is so much to see there. I mean, you, you can spend a whole day at the Ark very easily, just going through all three decks. The Ark itself is an exhibit. Uh, the timbers inside, just seeing what the Amish did in constructing it, because we had 100 Amish craftsmen involved in building that timber frame structure. That's an exhibit in itself. And then we have three decks of exhibits. And, and each deck has a different sort of... Uh, aspect to it. Uh, deck one is more Noah has loaded the ark and you hear the animal sounds and the cages and so on. Deck two are more what we would call themed exhibits. And so a lot about Noah's life and his workshop and blacksmith shop and all sorts of intriguing exhibits. And then deck three are more teaching exhibits. And we also have a whole section on deck three uh, where we have the living quarters and you can actually go and see uh, Noah's bedroom, uh, his son's uh, bedrooms, uh, their kitchen, uh, and all sorts of other interesting things. The attention to detail is absolutely incredible. Now, at the Creation Museum, it's sort of a different sort of setup. The Creation Museum is a walk through the Bible. That's what it is. It's not just about creation evolution. A walk through the Bible uh, through what we call the seven seas of history, creation, corruption, catastrophe, confusion, Christ cross, consummation. And we have animatronic dinosaurs, animatronic people, life-size exhibits, special effects theater, and, as you mentioned, a planetarium where people sit in this theater and they lean back and then we take them into outer space. And uh, you, you can uh, there's a couple of different programs, in fact, and they are absolutely phenomenal. And people see how big God is, how small we are, uh, but again, presenting the gospel. And then we have beautiful gardens. We even have a rainforest area, Neil, I mean, we get snow and ice in winter, but we have a rain park. We have banana trees. For Americans, I have to say banana trees. Uh, we have banana trees and uh, all sorts of other rainforest plants. And we have a petting zoo and camel rides. And we have the biggest and best zipline course in the Midwest. And at the Ark, we also have a zoo as well as a petting zoo. And we also have a massive zipline course there. And it goes across the valleys. We have 800 acres there. And ha having them as two separate locations... People view them as two special facilities, and so it actually is really good for people so that they see them as two separate facilities and, and go to both and, and enjoy them. And, you know, I've even had some people have said to me, so what have zip lines got to do with, you know, the Bible? And my standard answer is, you know, Christians can have fun too. 
<laughs> because we want to have family-friendly places where people can come. And this is what they've told me. It is such a pleasure to come to a place so I don't have to worry about what my kids see, what they hear. They learn about the Bible. They learn the gospel. But they have fun. They see animals, plants, and they can enjoy it and go away. Uh, having been to this wholesome, family-friendly facility that is there for a purpose to teach them God's Word, to equip them with answers to skeptical questions, and to preach the gospel. Ken, let me move us into talking about some of the controversial issues that we may be facing today. Uh, What are your critics saying about not only the Ark Encounter, the Creation Museum, they've said a lot of things, but is there a way in which, if we talk about evolution, there's an evolution of the debate between evolution and creation? Are there big issues that are emerging at the moment that you're finding that uh, you're needing to tackle or pay more attention to than you would ordinarily? Well, you know, Neil, that's a very insightful question because over the years, you know, the the debate, if you want to call it that, really uh, changes. Uh, For instance, in the time of uh, Dr. Henry Morris and Dr. Dwayne Gish, now Dr. Henry Morris really was the founder of the modern uh, creation apologetics movement. He and Dr. John Whitcomb co-authored the book The Genesis Flood, which really started the modern creationist movement. But in in their time, and I worked with Dr. Morris and also Dr. Gish, Dr. Gish was known as the world's foremost uh, debater on the creation evolution issue. And I worked with them for seven years and the great men of God. But in their day, it was more an argument uh, that, that, oh, there are no transitional forms. Uh, and, you know, the fossil record uh, does not show evolution and, and you know, those sorts of arguments. But uh, over time, the evolutionists have realized that they, you know, didn't have transitional forms. And, and so the debate sort of changes. And nowadays, you know, one of the things that uh, we're finding, it's, it's very important to understand that now they're, they're trying to accuse us of being religious and they're not religious and we have to help people understand they have a religion, which is why when I debated Bill Nye, the science guy in America, and they estimate probably upwards of 15 to 20 million people have now seen that debate, uh, I concentrated on explaining what science is and what it isn't rather than concentrating on, you know, there are no transitional forms and the evidence is not there for evolution. You know, people have heard all those those sorts of arguments. So I had to explain to them that, there's a difference between historical science, and that is your beliefs about the past, because the word science means knowledge, and observational science, where you use your five senses in the present to develop technology, like this radio station. And so had to explain that really people who believe in evolution have a belief, and it's a blind faith belief. It's really a religion. It's really a religion to explain life without God. And so one of the things that we're finding now is that uh, the, the secularists, uh, they don't really want to debate uh, they don't want even Christians to have a platform. I mean, a lot of people were against Bill Nye even debating me because they don't want us to be able to get our message out there because once students are taught how to think, once people are taught how to think correctly and uh, we show them what the real, what's really going on here, it's a battle between two worldviews because we have two different starting points, God's word or man's word, then they start to realize, wait a minute, those who believe in molecules to man evolution, that's a belief, that's a religion, and it's been imposed on generations of kids in the public education system. Well, there is enough information out there by way of books and by way of debates that there's all of those things that we can continue to draw on. But I've heard this sort of thing too, uh, uh, the likes of well-known atheists saying, I'm not going to debate those creationists anymore. 
How do you feel about the idea of continuing those debates? Because it gives a platform for either side to air their views. Uh, How important is it for the Christians? And there'd be many who'd be listening to us now thinking, you know, I've got some uh, apologetic skills as well. I want to be able to get into these sorts of debates, maybe in my local community. It's something that we ought to continue to pursue, Ken. Well, you know, the scripture says in Jude, contend for the faith. And that doesn't mean just sit back and do nothing. We need to go out there and be content. We're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and it's a warfare. And it's like soldiers who who are out there. You don't just sit down and do nothing. You have to advance the cause. You 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 have to uh, get out there and do battle uh, with the enemy. And you know what's really happened. And I sort of alluded to it before. The secularists are trying to close down the conversation. The reason they don't want to debate, they don't want people to hear the information that we've got. Because really, evolution is totally bankrupt. I mean, if you ask people what's the best evidence for evolution, you have it's usually oh look, the, you know, these crocodiles changed, but they're still crocodiles. Oh yeah, but they changed. You know, uh, there's these different species of finches. Yeah, but they're still finches. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's evolution. I mean, that, that's sort of their best evidence. That's what they can come up with. They want to close down the conversation. Before uh, the debate with Bill Nye, and there were millions that watched that live and millions since, the secular media were there en en masse at at the Creation Museum. And over and over again, they asked me, what do you hope to come out of this debate? And my standard answer was, I hope that it opens up a conversation for people, that they start talking about these issues that Christians can start talking about these issues with atheists, with secularists, so that they can talk about the Bible and talk about the gospel. And you know what? That really did happen. And it's the same with the Ark, with the Ark and the Creation Museum. I mean, the Ark has made such an incredible splash media-wise all around the world. And a lot of the secular media say, you know, what, what do you hope is going to come from this? And I said, it's making a very public statement. We do believe the Bible. It is true. We, we built a Noah's Ark, the size of the Ark in the Bible, to make a statement to the world, and we want people to come, non-Christians to come, and Christians, and start talking about the Ark, start talking about the Bible, and all with an express pers- purpose of people understanding as Noah and his family went through a door to be saved, we need to go through a door to be saved. And so... As secularists are trying to close down the conversation, uh, they, in America, they basically legislated to protect the teaching of evolution in public schools and not allow students to even hear about creation. We have to do what we can as Christians to do what the Bible says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so through the Ark, the Creation Museum, if we can debate like I did with Bill Nye, we need to do as much of that as we can so that we get people talking about God's word in the Bible so we have opportunity to present the truth to them. We're going to continue our conversation into the next hour, about a minute out from news now, so very quick response. And let's move into talking about some of the ideologies that are affecting the way that governments behave, uh, legislation as it goes through, and this would be the same uh, in the United States as it is in Australia, these ideologies that are changing. They're fueled by what people think about God. God is there, God is not there. Uh, People have a very, very different outcome in the way that they think. Very quickly, Ken, because we're going to go to news. Uh, In fact, why don't we save that until after the news? And we'll come back and we'll talk about that because uh, the way that governments are affected, the way that decisions are made, these things are going to be very important for us to talk about. And there is some foundation in what people believe, whether they believe in God or whether they don't. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. International callers can call us on plus six one seven three three eight seven seven three five six. 
Our talkback line open, Ken Ham, our guest, back with more after the news. We're also being streamed on Facebook Live around the world. And our very special guest, Ken Ham, the President, CEO and Founder of Answers in Genesis in the United States, and the highly acclaimed Creation Museum and the world-renowned Ark Encounter is our guest. Ken has an amazing following, something in the vicinity of 260,000 followers on Facebook. So when Ken has a live stream of interviews and events that he's attending, uh, there's a significant number of people following. So today, we're not only being heard, but we're being watched on that live stream on Facebook. And you can join that live stream if you go to Answers in Genesis or if you indeed go to vision.org.au, you'll find our Facebook Facebook page, Vision Facebook, and uh, you'll be able to be part of that live stream as well. 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to participate, our talkback line's open, 1-800-316-316. If you're calling internationally today, you need to remember the number is plus 61 Ken, let's take a call from a listener, shall we? Okay. Let's hear from Steve in Parks in New South Wales. Hello, Steve. Welcome along to 2020. G'day, Brother Neil. G'day, Brother Ken. Hi. G'day to your listeners, of course. Great to hear from you, Steve. What are your thoughts today? Look, I I have two very difficult uh, questions to ask, and I think with the confrontation that I hear, attacks on the family unit and uh, bullying in schools... um, I have two very difficult questions, and they're cross-referenced to a book that I've got in front of me right now. The book's called Crisis, Conflict and Consensus by Dr. Bill Murray. And if you can get hold of the book, it's published by Rigby. Um, it's, uh, I'm on page 332 and 333 right at this second in time. Okay, we don't all have the book in front of us, so oh, no, what's the I, point you're making there? Well, the point is this. And these are, and these will um, impact on America, Britain, and France. The question is: Should Australia become a godless communist republic? And should Australia uh, have uh, a House on Un-American Activities Commission, the same as the Americans did in the 1950s? And God bless America. That's what I say. Okay, Steve, well, you're talking about what we began to mention just before the news, ideologies that are rising, and one of those that we sometimes talk about is cultural Marxism. Uh, Some people say, well, uh, didn't communism die with the fall of the Berlin Wall and uh, with the fall of the Iron Curtain, of course? uh, But these sorts of ideologies are often fueled by the sorts of things we talk about in the creation-evolution debate. Your thoughts and your response to Steve, Ken? Well, you know, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when we see all this conflict that's going on before us, I, I want people to understand what really is happening. You see, if we go back to Genesis 3 we find a battle started. And it was really a battle between two religions. See, people have got this idea there's all sorts of these different philosophies and religions all around the world. But basically, it all comes down to a battle between two religions. Uh, Because God said, you can eat of all the trees, just one you're not to eat of, obey God, trust God's word. But the serpent, the devil, came to Eve and said, did God really say you can become like God? And so a battle began between God's word and man's word. And, you know, that battle has not changed. Uh, You know, when you're looking at the issues of gay marriage or the abortion issue, I mean, you're dealing with those issues here as we're dealing with them in the United States. 
well, the gender issue and in regard to bathrooms, I mean, that's a big issue in the United States. I mean, when you come to the Ark and come to the Creation Museum, we have male bathrooms and we have female bathrooms. <laughs> and the reason is because God's Word says he made them at the beginning male and female. But once you abandon a basis and an absolute authority, then ultimately anything goes. And so when, when you think about even the book of Judges, when they had no king to tell them, no absolute authority to tell them what to do, they all did what was right in there own eyes. And so really what we're seeing happening is the more that people don't build their thinking on God's word and the more they say it's man who determines truth, then morality is all relative. Then ultimately anything goes. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the collapse of the Christian Christianized worldview of the West because we have generations of people who no longer build their thinking on God's word, they build their thinking on man's word. And much of our public education system has indoctrinated generations of kids to believe the Bible's not true, you can't trust the Bible. And when you look at issues like gay marriage or abortion, euthanasia, the gender issue, the bathroom issue, they're all symptoms of a foundational issue. That's what we've got to remember. We, we sometimes look at those and focus on those and say they're the problems, but they're not. They're all the symptoms the symptoms of the fact that people are building their worldview on man's word. They're saying, I can build my worldview the way I want it, thus anything goes. And what you often find then is the conflict between uh, a secular worldview and a Christian worldview. Those that have the secular worldview become very intolerant of the Christians because we're the ones out there saying, this is what is right and that is what is wrong. God sets the rules. God made marriage. Marriage is to be a man and a woman. And they get offended by that. And they say, well, you've got to allow all views. Well, okay, are you allowing all views? Because what about our view that says your view is wrong? You're not allowing our view. Well, wait a minute, you're not allowing our view. And you're not allowing our view. And you see, it's a clash of two world views. And that's what the issue is all about. And what we're finding uh, in America is in, in politics, and, and the same is, is true here, and that is when people get into government, it's their worldview that determines how they interpret the Constitution. It's their worldview that determines how they deal with a particular uh, issue, whether it's same-sex marriage or whatever it is. Because as you think in your heart, so are you. That's what the Bible makes clear. Once we understand that, that it's a worldview clash, because, there's, because there are two different foundations, God's Word and man's Word, makes us realize as Christians the, the solution is ultimately... There has to be a change of heart and mind. People, it, it has to be a spiritual solution. Ultimately, it's not going to be a solution uh, in politics. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the collapse of the Christian, Christianized worldview of the West because we have generations of people who no longer build their thinking on God's word, they build their thinking on man's word, and much of our public education system has indoctrinated generations of kids to believe the Bible's not true, you can't trust the Bible. And when you look at issues like gay marriage, or abortion, euthanasia, the gender issue, the bathroom issue, they're all symptoms of a foundational issue. That's what we've got to remember. We, we sometimes look at those and focus on those and say they're the problem, but they're not. They're all the symptoms. The symptoms of the fact that people are building their worldview on man's word. They're saying, I can build my worldview the way I want it, thus anything goes. And what you often find then is the conflict between uh, a secular worldview and a Christian worldview those that have the secular worldview become very intolerant of the Christians because we're the ones out there saying this is what is right and that is what is wrong. God sets the rules. God made marriage. Marriage is to be a man and a woman. And they get offended by that. And they say, well, you've got to allow all views. Well, okay, are you allowing all views? Because what about our view that says your view is wrong? You're not allowing our view. 
well, wait a minute, you're not allowing our view, and you're not allowing our view. And you see it's a clash of two world views, and that's what the issue is all about. And what we're finding uh, in America is in, in politics, and, and the same is, is true here, and that is when people get into government, it's their worldview that determines how they interpret the Constitution. It's their worldview that determines how they deal with a particular uh, issue, whether it's same-sex marriage or whatever it is. Because as you think in your heart, so are you. That's what the Bible makes clear. Once we understand that, that it's a worldview clash, because, there's, because there are two different foundations, God's Word and man's Word, makes us realize as Christians the, the solution is ultimately... There has to be a change of heart and mind. People, it, it has to be a spiritual solution. Ultimately, it's not going to be a solution uh, in politics. That's not the ultimate solution. The ultimate solution is the spiritual one that generations have to get back to believing the Word of God. Thank you so much to Steve from Parks in New South Wales. And our talkback line remains open, 1-800-316-316, if you'd like to join our conversation today. Ken, you mentioned in a short conversation we were having that listeners to the radio program wouldn't have heard, but there's a number of other big things happening in the US. Uh, you've got your Ark Encounter, you've got the Creation Museum. You mentioned that there are a number of other big things that are happening. A Bible Museum, I think you mentioned. I'll get you to explain uh, that for us because uh, just something to, to highlight though, because once you put a stake in the ground, so we're doing something big. The whole world is going to see this. Mm -hmm. It's going to have an impression. It's like a leadership that says to others, it's okay to think big and to do something big. Tell us about the other big things that are happening in the US. Well, you know, Neil, it's interesting. Uh, some of the secular media, as they've interviewed me uh, in uh, the States, have said, you know, it's interesting. This is, and that they've even written articles, this is the era of Christian attractions. And we're starting to see a rise in real professional, big Christian attractions that are going to attract millions and millions of people. You know, because if you think about it, that's all a part of the church. I mean, the church is the body of Christ. And we need to be impacting the culture. And why not, you know, build an ark? Why not build a creation museum? Why? Because we can impact the culture and, and reach millions of people that perhaps can't be reached in other ways. There are people today who couldn't blow into church with a stick of dynamite, but you can get them to come to an art or get them to come to a creation museum. In 2017, in November, in Washington, D.C., uh, the Green family from Hobby Lobby, which is a big uh, chain of stores across the U.S., and they're very overtly Christian, and they've stood up for the Word of God, and in many, many ways they're well known to be uh, Christians in America. They are opening the world's largest Bible museum in Washington, D.C. They want the Bible to be on display, make an impact for the Bible uh, to challenge people. And so this is that's going to be a multi-story building with all sorts of uh, incredible exhibits. And millions of people from all over the world are going to go to that. Uh, you've also got our friends at Sight and Sound in Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania. It's right in the heart of Amish country. They have this massive theater actually get more people going to that theatre than they do to the big New York theatres. And they have Christian musicals with elaborate sets. They're absolutely phenomenal, outstanding, professional. People come from all over the world to go there, and they're evangelistic in what they do. They run about the Bible. Again, uh, just like us, they don't hit people on the head. They just present it. And they're presenting God's Word. They present the Gospel. You can't go away from there not having heard the Gospel. And millions of people are going to be coming from all over the world to those Christian attractions. It, it really is an era of Christian attractions, if you like. It's a different way 
to reach millions of people with the message of God's word in the gospel. And it's something that God is doing, a reinvention of how the gospel affects lives. Uh, this whole idea that in a secular society, the idea of secularization is that somehow moves religions off to the sidelines, marginalizes those religions so that they don't appear to have any more values. Like, uh, let's not debate, debate the creationists because let's not give them any airtime because people might believe what they say. But what's happened is people have been pushed off to the side. Uh, they've realized that there is a creativity. There is an entrepreneurism in the Christian heart. There is a way to begin to think to re-evangelize. And really, a re-evangelization is going to be a necessary thing. And a part of that will be the creation and evolution debate and how creationists are talking about the evidence that there is for God being present in the world today. Oh, exactly. If, if you... Then back and look at it, I mean, in education systems all around the world, it doesn't matter what country you go to, uh, people have heard of evolution in millions of years. In fact, you know what's interesting, Neil? I've travelled to countries all over the world for the past 40 years, and it doesn't matter whether it's a third world country, like I've been in Bolivia or the Dominican Republic or all across Europe, all sorts of countries, it doesn't matter where you are, in this day and age, in this day and age, when people hear that you're on about the Bible and Christianity, you know they, they make the same statements and ask the same question wait a minute, we live in a scientific age, science has shown us the Bible's not true. I mean, you know, look at all the evidence for evolution. We came from ape men. You believe in Noah's Ark, he couldn't fit the animals on the Ark anyway. Where's the evidence for the flood? There's no evidence for a flood. And, well, what about carbon dating and dinosaurs? Don't they disprove the Bible? And what about the ape men? Didn't we come from ape men? And we hear the same questions all over the world because those same topics are discussed in schools, in the media, all over the world. And for many, it's caused them to doubt that you can trust the Bible. It's one of the reasons why I believe God has raised up ministries like Answers and Genesis. We're an apologetics ministry. And by apologetics, I don't mean we apologize for our faith. Uh, quite the opposite. I mean that we're teaching people how to give a logical reason defense of the faith. Apologetic comes from the Greek word apologia in 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give a defense, to give an answer, to give an apologia, to give an apologetic, a reason defense of the faith. And well, what we're doing is we're equipping Christians and helping them understand there are answers to all these questions. And these answers will help uh, stop the doubt that your children can have in regard to God's word. That doubt will lead to unbelief. And so what we want to do is give out those answers to people, equip them with answers, and to show the non-Christians we can challenge them concerning the truth of God's word and defend our faith. And, of course, along with that comes a package. There's a package on both sides. As Christian believers, we can point to the package that says it's these foundations of belief in God, belief in God's creation, that have given to us uh, the stability that we have in family life. The idea of a man and a woman, uh, the prosperity that's come with the way that Christian ethics have been uh, propagated throughout a society. There's another package on the other side, Ken, the package that comes with the evolutionary idea. And uh, you mentioned uh, a little earlier on uh, the idea that, uh, that, that people did what was right in their own eyes. We're into another age like that, but there's a lot of things that come with a very dark part of that package. And some people are even saying that perhaps we're headed for a new dark ages because of our neglect for God. Your thoughts well, on that? Well, yeah. And, and what, what you say is very true. And I don't want people to misunderstand me when I say this, but 
you know, there is a connection between evolution and the gay marriage issue and the gender issue, the bathroom issue. You know, there there, there is a connection here. And the reason that there's a connection uh, is because it's not that evolution is the cause of these things, is that the more that people reject um, God, the more they're told everything came about by natural processes, uh, the more that people are told there is no God who determines what is right and wrong, then anyone, then people do what is right in their own eyes. I mean, take the marriage issue. How do, how do we know that marriage is a man and a woman? Well, in Genesis, God made man from dust, made woman from his side. He made the male and female. He said they're made in the image of God. No animal is made in the image of God. The woman came from man. And then in Genesis 2.24, it says um, that, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and there'll be one flesh. Because woman came from man, you become one in marriage because you're one flesh. Jesus, in Matthew 19, quotes from Genesis when asked about marriage. He says, haven't you read? He which made the beginning made the male and female. There's the male and female. How do we know there's male and female? God made the male and female and said, this is the reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and there'll be one flesh. So Jesus, who's the son of God, who doesn't tell a lie, who's the truth, who's the way, Jesus quoted from Genesis, the history, the creation account there to give the doctrine of marriage. Now, if you don't believe in the Bible and you don't believe in Genesis and don't believe it's history, I could totally understand if you say, why should we have marriage as a man and a woman? Then, you know, what I would also say is, well, why should it be two men or why should it be two women? It should be anything you want. Why not? Ultimately, in fact, where do you draw the lines? You know, in, in America right now, there are even demonstrations where women are getting together in certain cities and saying, if men can take their shirts off in public, why can't we? And start to think about that. Why shouldn't they? I mean, if we're just animals, there's no God, why should they wear clothes at all? I mean, the Bible tells us God gave clothes because of sin. In Genesis, it was the first blood sacrifice as a covering for the sin, a picture of what was to come in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But if we're just animals, we're related to the animals, I mean, when you go to our petting zoo at the Creation Museum in the Ark, the animals don't wear clothes. But the humans that are watching them do wear clothes. Why do we do it? If man is just animals, humans are just animals, why do we wear clothes? We're not just animals. We're made in the image of God. We're different. And as I tell people, if you want to see the difference, go to one of the animals at the petting zoo and try to have a conversation with them and, and, and see what happens. But you see, that's the bottom line. Once you teach generations of kids, everything happened by natural process, there is no God, then ultimately Anything goes. And people need to wake up and realize, once you abandon the basis in an absolute authority, who determines right and wrong? Yes, all that sort of stuff. Just really quickly, as soon as you believe in millions of years, the idea of millions of years came out of atheism, came out of the belief that the layers of rock with fossils were laid down millions of years before man. And in those fossils, what have you got? Dead things. You've got evidence of animals eating each other, evidence of diseases like brain tumors and cancer. You know, the Bible says when God made man, after God made man, everything was very good. If God called cancer, brain tumors very good, uh, then we're in trouble here. Uh, it's obvious the Bible teaches us death, bloodshed, disease, and suffering is a consequence of sin. You can't add millions of years to the Bible. It undermines the gospel. It, ha- it has the shedding of blood millions of years before Adam sinned, and it makes God responsible for death, not our sin. Thank you to Jim from Brisbane. We do have to wrap some things up here uh, very quickly. Can the future beyond the ark encounter? What ought we be looking forward to? Well, yeah, you know, Neil, the most important thing we all have to do is to go out and preach the gospel. And one of the things that we do at Answers and Genesis is we have a radical way of presenting it, the way God does in the Bible by starting at the beginning. Isn't that a radical way? Laying the foundation. 
So we're just going to continue to do that. And with, with the ark, we're expanding the ark. We're going to build other phases. One of the phases is going to be building a Tower of Babel, which wow. our artists will like because it will never be finished, right? Mm. And we'll, be, <laughs> we'll build a Tower of Babel and sort of have a ride perhaps through the whole through the Tower of Babel, but dealing with the whole history of the world and that we all go back to Adam and Eve. We're all one race and dealing with issues of racism and prejudice. What we want to do, do is deal with the issues of today but the way to answer the issues of today is to start with the real history, the true history in the Bible. And that's what we want to do. Keep looking at the way in which the world is attacking the Bible, answering those questions and producing more literature, more curricula. We have our three-year Bible curricula. Our BBS curricula now is, is the top one, the top three of the nation. Our Bible curriculum is being used by thousands of, of churches and, and homeschoolers in, in, in America and other parts of the world too. But to to do what we can to just get the message out there. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to expand the ark. We're going to expand the museum. We have extra exhibits we want to put in the museum. And we want to just do more than we've ever done before to impact the culture with the message of the truth of God's word in the gospel. Exciting things ahead. Now, we heard from listeners and viewers on the Facebook live stream from Ireland, uh, from the Philippines. There was a Melbourne uh, listener, viewer, who said, Ken, are you coming down to Melbourne on this visit? This is a fairly quick visit for you. Are you doing any speaking engagements while you're here? Um, Actually, I'm only doing one speaking engagement, and it's going to be in Dolby, and that's where I first started teaching, uh, which is west of Brisbane, and 5 o'clock this coming Sunday night at the Church of Christ. I'm actually giving an hour and a half talk on the ark and why we built the ark and showing pictures of the ark, and that's the only time I'm speaking this this visit. Okay, well, uh, there might be a whole lot of people in southeast Queensland who might make that journey. Dolby just to the west of Toowoomba this Sunday night at the Church of Christ. Uh, Ken, lots of books that you've written. Uh, we won't have time to talk about them all. Already Gone, The Lie Evolution, Dinosaurs of Eden, One Race, One Blood. There's plenty more as well. We mentioned the Bill Nye uh, book that was all about the debate. Uh, people can get a hold of those when they go to the Answers in Genesis website or to the Vision website. Go to the Vision store and check out what's there available through Vision store. Uh, Ken Ham, exciting to see that things are uh, really moving along with the Ark Encounter. Uh, exciting days ahead. Uh, we pray God's richest blessing on you because you've become a bright shining light. And I really appreciate, too, your holding of that humility and appreciation of it's the gospel message that's so important. And I want to thank you so much for taking some time today to to share your heart with listeners here on Vision. Hey, thanks, Neil. We look forward to seeing you again. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.